Man, it's good to see you guys this morning. I think our children are about to head uh, over next door. Is that correct? Or are they already headed? Okay, maybe they're faster than I am today. Anyway, glad you're here this morning. Whether you're joining us online or whether you're right here in this room, I just want you to hear this right up front as we're getting started this morning. You're going to hear some tough things this morning. You're going to hear some things that are honestly hard to hear and challenging to your spirit and challenging to your soul. I want you to be in touch with the Holy Spirit as He speaks to you in this place through His Word today. So prepare yourself even right now. I think um, clearly... Uh, Aaron Feiger, and it's so good to have him today in our worship team. You may have not gotten to meet uh, Gilbert, but Gilbert uh, playing the drums back in the back. He's a friend of, of uh, Glenn's from Laverne, Tennessee, just outside of Nashville. Really good to have him and his sweet wife. Thanks for, uh, man, filling a void and doing it in such a great way this morning. So we got to worship Jesus. You know, and, and these, were, these were familiar songs for most of us in this room. There was a line in that very first song that I don't think I've ever paid attention to before. But as I'm about to share with you the introduction to this message, which is more of a, a reality check for all of us, there's a line in it that I've got to share with you. Um, you're you're going to want your Bibles out this morning because I'm going to go a lot of different places that we need to go to. Uh, and... Um, there's going to be some stuff that you're going to need to mark down. So if you didn't sign in and get all the way to the outline, you may want to go back there and go ahead and do that so you can get there. Here's where we're starting this morning. Over the last couple of weeks, either part of or connected with the Grove, we've lost at least 10 people. When Drew came and sat in my office just a couple of days ago and said, I got to share something with you. I really looked at him and said, I don't want to hear it. It's been very unusual because some of these have been just unexplained accidents. Some of them have been unexplained human acts. Some of them have been a disease that is clearly unfair to the human body and to families and friends and co-workers. Some of us have lost parents by natural cause. But I just want to put that in perspective for you, okay? Here at the Grove, because we are such a young congregation, that is the equivalent to about five years in about two and a half weeks. Now, what do we do with this when we have experienced things like the truth of death, which is inescapable? It's a 100% chance, unless Jesus comes back, we're all going that road. Hebrews 9.27 reminds us that we're all going to face death and after that the judgment it's reality of of the spirit that we live of the life that we have and we are going to lose friends and we're going to lose family members 
It's hit our high school in the last couple of weeks. It's hit our families. It's hit this church. It's hit our coworkers. A friend of mine tweeted, and I saw it this morning. I don't know if it was today or earlier, but he said this. He said, the valley of shadows is very real. And too many of us have experienced that over the last couple of weeks. It is very real. It's tough. Life is fragile, and none of us are exempt. But the song that we sang just a few minutes, the very first one, one of the lines says, the God of the mountaintop is also the God of the valley. Let that soak in for a second. The one that's with us at that highest, sweetest, best time in our life is also the one who goes with us through the darkest valleys that we will ever go through. He is with us. And because so many of us in this room and so many of us watching online right now, because we would say we have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ, that we are we are one with Christ because of what he did for us on the cross. Here is some good news that we need to remind ourselves of. We do not weep as those who do not have hope. We've got a day that we get to look forward to. Now I'm going to add one little asterisk to that. If you want to make it sweeter, make sure that you are part of the rescue mission so that other people can know that same hope too. So that when we do lose people, we don't have to weep because we know it is not goodbye. It is see you later. That is where we desire to be. That's where I want you to be. It's where I want to be with every funeral that I ever have to go to. That's where I want to be. I can walk away from that one okay. And you can too. So with the reality of this. We must make every effort to make sure that every human knows Jesus. So this is the final week, if you will, of our series on the rescue. And uh, we've gone through a lot of stuff. We've talked about a lot of things in the last five or six weeks. But the rescue will actually continue for the rest of this year and next year. And in your life, as long as you have breath in your lungs, that rescue mission that we have been called to has to continue. Now, if the last couple of weeks can't bring on the urgency, I really don't know what will. We want to have celebrations at the end. We don't want to have to shed tears because we don't know where those that we love stand, where those that we go to school with, that those that we go to work with, that those that we go to church with, that those that we pass by in this life. We want to be able to celebrate their going home to Jesus. I asked Andrew to pull up a, a slide that uh, is part of the International Mission Board. I've shared the words and the things with you on this several times lately, but uh, it's just a number that we need to be aware of and how important this is. Global population of the, of, of the world right now, uh, and this was uh, probably a, a month or so ago, uh, 7,809,000 and a lot of change there still. Great big world that we live in, but this is the tough part. Dying without Christ every single day, 155,473 every single day that we live. It even brings that urgency of the job that we have been called to do to a different height. Especially when we've had a wake-up call like, I hope, 
we've had over the last couple of weeks. Now, we know why we are supposed to be here. We know what our part is in the rescue. We have been called by God to be a part of this mission. We know that this mission is not just something that just happens. It is something that has to be wrapped from every single angle through our personal conversation with the Lord. It has to happen as we pray, as we talk to the Lord. And we know what the event has to be, helping someone to get to a spot of placing their faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, believing in, in, in uh, Romans chapter 10, verse 9 and 10, believing in their hearts who Christ is and what he's done and that he died for them, and then confessing him with their mouth and confessing him with their life, living it out. It becomes who we are. And we know that the way that we live our lives, it really does matter. While we can't affect or alter the gospel by the way we live, we can certainly offend people and bring them to a point where they don't even want to hear what we had to say because we claim the same thing we're trying to give to them, but we were living a lie. So we know these things. We understand these things. We know that the way we live really does matter. We know that we have to take the message and that we need to be very clear with the message that we have given because our job is to help them understand so we lay it out, and then we let the Holy Spirit do his work. We make it clear. We make sure we don't stand in the way. And we have to take the message to where the people are. So it means we can't stay in our comfort zone, at least not very long. And we certainly can't live there. We have to be willing to move beyond that. So what now? What, what's left? We know the call. We know the prep. We know the steps. We know the event. We know what, what and when and where and how, but what's left? Well, it seems simple, and it seems like something we ought to just get. But I think it's bigger than that because I think we forget that there is a, not just a substantial, but a mandatory spiritual element in the gospel of Jesus Christ. It's not something a robot can do. It's not something just red words can do. We have to understand how God works. And so I want to begin there for just a moment. We have to understand. I think you understand this. I hope that, John, if you don't, I want you to catch it today. God pursues you. He, he goes after you. It's been him from the very beginning who pursued you. It wasn't you that woke up one day and said, I should pursue God. It's not the way it works. It's that he has pursued you. In Genesis chapter 3, when man chose to sin, man and woman chose to sin, and they ran away from God, what happened? He pursued them. Hey, where'd you guys go? It was God who pursued them in Genesis chapter 3. In Luke chapter 15, it is Jesus who leaves the 99 to go after the one who is still lost. It is the Lord who goes after them. In that same teaching in, Genesis, in, in Luke chapter 15, um, uh, it is Jesus who paints the picture of cleaning an entire house to find the one lost coin. He is the one who's doing the pursuing. In Luke chapter 19 and verse 10, it says, For the Son of Man came to seek and to save those who are lost. Remember, it is not those who are well who need the doctor 
It is those who are sick. We all find ourselves at that spot. Number one on your outline, if you've got it, it's super simple. God has done everything he can to rescue man. And by the way, he is still at that. It didn't end when he left the earth about 2,000 years ago. It is still a daily part of the day. Matter of fact, you know this very real, and you've had this memorized in your heart. In John chapter 3, 16, it says, For God so loved the world that he did what? He, he gave his one and only son. So that what? So that man would not perish or die, be separated from God for eternity. But they would live. That's his purpose. That's his rescue. That's his mission. That's his purpose. The entire Old Testament, from Genesis to the book of Malachi, paints an amazing picture of God's desire to redeem and to reconcile man to himself. Everything through the Old Testament was pointing towards Christ who was going to actually present the one way of rescue through the cross, through his death, his burial, and his resurrection. It is the very Spirit of God that pleads with our spirit to come to him. We read this verse a couple of weeks ago, but I think it needs to be planted in our hearts and in our minds. In John chapter 6 and verse 44, For no one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws them to me, and at the last day, I will raise them up. And if you'll remember, and just in case you were not here in that moment, that word draw has a unique implication that we need to make sure we understand. It literally means, it doesn't just mean come, which it does, because that is what the Spirit does in our heart. It literally means I'll drag you if I have to. I'm coming after you. I'm pursuing you that way. That is the love of God in Christ Jesus. Now, how does all this work? How does our being a part of this work? I was reading this week, and one of the things that I discovered or read again was 1 Corinthians chapter 3, beginning in verse 5. And uh, it was people that was arguing over, and it seems so silly to us now, but looking back on them, they were arguing over uh, who they were actually following, who baptized them, what, what church they were a part of, or what group of people they were a part of. And it seems almost silly. But I want you to notice where it goes as Paul shares this. He says, after all, who is Apollos? Some said they followed Apollos. Who is Paul? Some say they're following me. Why are they following me is what Paul's saying. We are only God's servants through whom you believe the good news. So we shared it and you believed it. You understood it. That's where you came to Christ. Now he goes on. Each of us did the work the Lord gave us. That's important for me and you. We have to do the work the Lord gave us. Verse 6, it says, Paul, talk, Paul is talking, he says, I planted the seed in your hearts, and Apollos watered it. But it was God that made it grow. We all had a piece in it, so long as we did the work that God called us to. But it was God who made it grow. Now go on to verse 7, it says, It's not important who does the planting or who does the watering. What is important is that God makes the seed grow. Do you see the emphasis? It's not on what we do, even though we have to do what we do. The emphasis, the power comes from what God does, not what we do. Verse 8 says, And the one who plants and the one who waters work together with the same purpose. 
and both will be rewarded for their hard work. For we are both God's workers, and you are God's field, and you are God's building. I don't know if you realize this, but in being a part of the rescue mission, you get to see how God works. You get to experience the very Spirit of God as He works in lives around you. If you want something, if you want to experience something that will change your life, if you want to experience God, as Henry Blackaby says, go to work where He's working. If you want to experience God, then do what He's called you to do and watch what He does. And, and I like to watch this. I don't know if you get this, but I like to watch what He does in spite of me. Because I don't know about you, but I find myself getting in the way more than I do actually finding myself just falling exactly where he wants me to go and what he wants me to do. Number two on your outline, kind of a similar thing, but I think it helps us. God's plan for rescue is bigger than we could ever imagine. It's more, it's broader. Every follower of Christ is part of the rescue mission. And I hope you hear me, whether you're online sitting on your couch right now or sitting in a chair watching this at a computer or on your phone watching or whether you're in this room right here watching or whether you watch it sometime later this week, I want you to hear this. If you are a follower of Jesus Christ, there are zero exceptions for participation in the rescue mission. You're either obedient to it or you disobey the Lord your God who told you to do this. I, I will prove this to you as we walk through this for a moment. If we're not part of the rescue mission, we are being disobedient to the Father. Acts chapter 1 and verse 8. But you, followers of Christ, those who claim the name of Christ, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And you will be my witnesses telling people about me everywhere in Jerusalem and throughout Judea and in Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Sometimes we get in our weak little mindset that somehow this is an America thing. This is a United States of America thing. It's so much bigger. We are a tiny little percentage of this thing. This is a world thing. It's what Jesus just told us in Acts chapter 1. And verse 8, it's every nation, every tongue, every people, every community. It's every neighbor. It's every coworker. It's every student you work with. It's every relative you have. It's people you couldn't put a face with if you had to because you can't even imagine what they look like on the other side of the world. You don't even know they exist, but it is that person that Christ died for, just like he did for you. And we lose perspective on that. Places we don't even realize exist. He died for those people. Second Peter chapter 3 and verse 9. Just in case you wonder why we are still here today. The Lord isn't really being slow about his promises. Some think, no, he is being patient for your sake. He does not want anyone to be destroyed, but he wants everyone to repent. He's not slow. He's not lazy. He's not forgotten. He's not lifted his hand. He is still working even this day, even in this place. There's likely in this room somebody that would say, I do not know Christ. I've heard about what you're talking about, but if you said, 
If you ask the question, if I knew for certain that if, I, if this was my last breath today, that I would be with Jesus, you would not be able to say that. You're, you're going to need to respond. I, I'm challenging you to respond to that today. Don't wait. You don't want to be one of the next ten because you might be, and there's no guarantee. I hope you hear me in that. It's not a, it's not a scare tactic. It's a reality of life that we live in. God is patient. God is more patient with us than we could ever imagine. Think about the patience that he had with you, because I think about the patience that he's had with me. This is why this planet is still turning, because God is patient. God still wants every man to repent, and he knows that they won't all. We know, some of us in this room know that we're not going to repent. And he's pleading with you. Repent for the day. Today is the day of salvation. Not everyone will. But Jesus is giving every chance possible. That's how God loved the world so much. It shows up. The last point on this is actually a question that leads to three other points so I don't want to throw you off but I want you to catch these because I want you to take these home with you today it's this so what does success look like as we share the good news about Jesus Christ what does success look like in the eyes of a holy God what where is the wind there what is his what does he what does he want from us in this? And I want to talk about real specifics for just a few minutes. What, what is his desire for us in this? And I see three very clear requirements for every follower of Christ as we do what he has called us to do. Success. This is the first one. Success is when we take the initiative to share the gospel with another human being. It's when we step out of our comfort zone. It's when we swallow our pride. It's when we... Don't worry so much about we might, we might offend someone just by what we share with them. It's more offensive to let them die separated from Christ. So it's when we take the initiative to share Christ with another human being. This is so much more than just a good deed that we do. It is obedience to Christ. And it's a mandate that you and I have been called to do. Romans chapter 2, I mean Romans chapter 1 and verse 16 is so convicting and challenging to me. It's where Paul says, for I am not ashamed of the gospel because it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes. And Paul lived this out. He was not ashamed of the Even when he was shackled, even when he was beaten, even when he was cursed and when he was kicked out of cities, when he, when he, um, when he ended up on a ship that sank at least twice. Wondering if he would even live when he was starving to death, when he had plenty. When people were kind to him, when they were mean. When people were open to the gospel, when people wanted to kill him because of the gospel. I am not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation for everyone who believes. This is the first step to success. It's the obedient act of telling other people about Jesus. In Romans chapter 10 and verse 17, I've been reading this in the 
in the New Living Translation. But I love the way that Eugene Peterson says it in the transliteration in the message. You can see it on the, on, the, on the board up here, and you can hear it. You can read it for yourself. The point is this, he says. And this is Paul talking. Before you trust, you have to listen. But unless Christ's word is preached, there's nothing to listen to. And for me, I'm like, I get it. That absolutely makes 100% sense to me. If I don't talk about Jesus to people who still need to hear about Jesus. They're not going to hear it. They're not going to understand it. They're not going to respond. It is the calling that God has put on our lives. The second thing that I see in the, to, to make the act that we are called to do in Christ a reality, sharing the gospel. Success is telling someone about Jesus while being 100% dependent on the Holy Spirit. It's not clever words. It's not the perfect time, the perfect place. I'll be honest, it's not even your, your life in perfection because it's never going to be. It's the work of the Holy Spirit working in their lives through our obedience to Him. 100% dependent on Christ and Christ alone. Mark chapter 11 and verse 24 says, Therefore I tell you, everyone, everything you pray and ask for, believe that you have received it and it will be yours. And people take this verse and they run it up a flagpole, and make it everything for them. But if your prayer is not in accordance with the will of God, you're barking up the wrong tree. But I can tell you this. You can know that this prayer is one that the Lord will answer. Not that that person will actually come to Christ, but that his spirit will work in speaking to that life. To the point where they have to say yes or no to him. That he would open up those doors. If you pray that God would give you the opportunity to share with the people that you love and the people that you don't even know and the people on the other side of the world, the people that are right beside you, the people that are your neighbors, the people that you go to school with and the people you go to work with. If you pray that God will open up a door that he will give you an opportunity to be able to talk about Jesus, then why would he not answer that prayer? He is not slow as some of us think he is slow. He is patient, not wanting any to perish, but all to come to repentance. Do you remember that? 2 Peter chapter 3 and verse 9. So line up your will with his will by talking to him, by praying. Salvation is not something that we can even imagine accomplishing on our own. We know the sinners, the sinful hearts that we have. We know what's really going on inside of us. We personally have nothing to offer. It is a work of God himself. It is amazing to think, though, that we get to be a part of getting that message, the gospel of Jesus Christ, to people that haven't heard it. We get to be a part of that. 
It's a privilege. It's an honor, but it's an incredible responsibility that we must take seriously. Ephesians chapter 3 and verse 20 reminds me of what a big deal this is. Now, all glory to God who is able through his mighty power at work within us. His mighty work within us to accomplish infinitely more than we could ask or even think. Like people coming to Christ. He lets us be a part of it. Here's the last thing. Success is leaving what happens in the heart of another human being in the hands of a God who can handle it. It's, it's, leaving, it's leaving every part of it in the hands of a holy God who can handle it. Bill Bright, the founder of Campus Crusade for Christ, I love what he said in this. Success is witnessing. Success in witnessing is simply taking the initiative to share Christ in the power of the Holy Spirit and leaving the results to God. Now, in Luke 19, Jesus came to seek and to save that which is lost. We talked about that. It is his plan from the beginning and it's still his work today. It is his Holy Spirit that still does the drawing of the people of drawing of people to himself. So So we do what he's already told us to do by the power of the Holy Spirit and then let him do his thing. As much as I'd like to convince, coerce, force, talk somebody into the gospel of Jesus Christ, trusting him, knowing that hope, it has to come through Christ and Christ alone. And please don't misunderstand what I'm saying here. The, the case is not that we do what we do because we're called to do it. And then we say, okay, I've done what you told me to do. Then let's go on. The case is this. This is where that whole idea of praying without ceasing continues on. We take people as far as we can. We leave it in the hands of God. But we don't stop praying. As long as we have breath in our lungs, as long as that person is still walking the face of this earth, the Holy Spirit still works in their life. And our prayer is that they would turn to Christ before it is too late. Pray without ceasing. So here is our invitation this morning. And I believe that this has to be a little bit different today. I am praying and I am asking that as the Holy Spirit works in our lives, in this place and, and through those who are watching online even right now, that as the Holy Spirit leads us this day, that we would respond to Him by talking to Him, by seeking to align our will with His will as we do what He has called us to do. And learn to leave the results in his hand. I think there are some of us in this room that may need to find ourselves on our face this morning. Saying, God, I know exactly what you've called me to do. And I've been trying to do this on my own. And I have to be dependent on your spirit. It is too imperative that the people I know and that I love and the people that I don't know. It's too imperative that they know the Christ that I know. The reason that I can get up and go the next morning because I have hope in Christ.
The reason that I don't have to fear because I have hope in Christ. But for some in this room, some of you listening online, Jesus is calling you to come to him this day. You've never trusted him by faith. You've never believed in your heart and confessed with your mouth. And this is that day. Some of you have other things, just hurts you're dealing with. It's why I'm going to be down here. It's why Drew is going to be down here. This is your opportunity to respond to him. Aaron's going to come, and he's going to lead us in a great song. And uh, you may sing to it, but you may just need to respond to what Jesus is doing in your heart. And I encourage you, do not walk away from here without listening to the Holy Spirit yourself. I want you to stand with me all across this room. And as soon as Aaron sings the very first word of this song, if he's speaking to you, you come this day, this moment, this time. Father, this is something that is impossible for us to do without you. Whether it's coming to Christ or leading someone else to you, we cannot do this. We need you. I know for one, God, I need to be broken by you. And I know it's happening. And I know there are others in this room that need to be broken by you. Break us, Lord, so we can leave this in your hands. In Jesus' name, amen. If God's speaking to you, do not hesitate. Go right now.